a Pearson Harnish, but a huge third down conversion. You got the game on? Yep. On the move. Down to the 24-yard line of St. Francis. Who's winning? He won't say the score. Come on, who's winning? towards the right corner, complete to Vander Cooey, who steps across the plane. Ah, say the damn score. You're listening to the original Say the Damn Score podcast, part of the Say the Damn Score podcast network. Here's your host, Logan Anderson. Welcome back to another episode of the Say the Damn Score podcast. This is episode 147, back after a 14-month hiatus. You know, just like Dan Carlin and some of the other podcast hosts who come out rarely, but it's always worth it. Before we get into the guest, I want to just kind of give a quick show update. I'm going to be doing a few show run Right now, starting with this one, we'll be on a regular schedule for two or three months. I think three to five episodes of the show will come out. Then we're going to take another break, likely until the spring. And then, once we get to that point, I hope to fully revive the show on a permanent basis. Yay! (laughs) For those of you who stayed subscribed for this long... Thank you so much, and for those of you who just don't pay attention close enough to your feed and never unsubscribed, you're awesome too. Anyway, I'm super excited for our guest today, Troy Clarity. Full disclosure, we recorded this episode in August 2022. I've been sitting on the interview ever since, and at the time, he was a regular broadcaster at the Pac-12 Network, and since then, he's become the voice of the Stanford University Cardinal. He is working national radio, and I'm not even sure if the Pac-12 exists anymore. So the point being, some of the content was outdated. It's still a really good conversation, so I'm releasing it anyway. But we will have a short update of where I was able to catch up with Troy for about 15 minutes a few days ago to go over some of the more recent events in his career. So we'll have Troy from the past and Troy from the present both in this episode. So, with that in mind, Troy Clarity from 14 months ago, thanks for coming on the show today. You you bet. Thank you uh, so much. And uh, I know a lot went into uh, finally getting this chat done. This was a long time coming. Uh, looking forward to looking forward to chatting with you. Thanks a bunch. Appreciate you having me on. Well, let's just start off with your education. Did none of your guidance counselors or advisors at Stanford tell you that with your Stanford degree, you should do something besides broadcasting? <laughs> I like the start of this. Uh, you know, it, it, it's funny. Uh, initially, when I came to Stanford, the plan was to go to architecture school when I was done. So I was majoring in urban studies, you know, kind of like a pre-architecture major, uh, as, as close to an architecture major as there is, as there was at Stanford at that time and still is uh, to this very day. So the plan was to architecture school when I got done. Uh, but junior year, I took 58 units because I wanted to get as much out of the way as I possibly could for senior year. Maybe in that sense, it was a good plan, but it's, in some other ways, I got super burned out by the end of junior year. But by that point, I had already been involved with the Stanford Student Radio Station, KZSU, uh, pretty much since day one. And by my senior year, I was the, their lead voice for uh, Stanford football and Stanford baseball um, as well. So, you know, by the time I turned 20, or by the time I, you know, turned 22, you know, I've already got a Liberty Bowl, a Sun Bowl, and a College World Series underneath my belt. So that's, that, that, that's pretty cool to have. But yeah, the original plan was 
was architecture school when I got done. But then this whole broadcasting thing kind of started to take over a bit. And after that 58-unit junior year, I was like, you know what? This this broadcasting thing is is is, is pretty cool. I'm enjoying it a lot. Um, and, you know, let's just go ahead, finish out this piece of paper, and let's see what happens after graduation. So how did you initially get involved with the student station knowing you were going there for architecture? Was one of your friends involved to say, hey, you should try this? Did you already have that interest on the side? There, there not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of broadcasters who are like, yeah, I started in architecture and ended up in broadcasting. They don't uh, <laughs> overlap a lot. How did that happen? Yeah, I always had that interest as well coming in. Uh, maybe as a kid, you know, as as, as a teen, having ESP on, ESPN on in the background and playing John Madden football, my old Apple Two C. You know, and ESPN back in those days, they would have the Super Bowl highlight films on in the background. And, you know, they would have the Super Bowl XI film, the Raiders and the Vikings. Uh, and and, and they, that was the first uh, Super Bowl highlight film where they actually incorporated uh, the hometown radio calls in the actual highlight film. So for the Raiders, that meant a lot of Bill King, the all, uh, one of the all-time great announcers um, in the history of this medium, King calling the Raiders uh, from 1966 to 1992. And, and I'm sure, you know, folks that are listening to this are, are familiar with, with some of his best work, you know, the, uh, the, the holy roller play in San Diego, uh, you know, just how he, how he summed up the absurdity of, of, of all of that with the Raiders and Kenny Stabler batting the ball forward and, 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 and Dave Casper falling on the ball in the end zone uh, to beat the Chargers in 1978. And just, just such, such a, a descriptive guy. And, and I don't think anyone painted a picture better than Bill King. And no one did it with, with, with the flair that he did. And even as a kid, you know, with hearing this in the background and hearing Bill in the background, along with, you know, John Facenda's narration and the, and the swirling or, or, or orchestrated music and all those sorts of things, maybe that kind of planted a bit of an earwig and said, hey, this, this is actually kind of cool. This might actually be something that you might want to do. So I, I, I did kind of have that, that, that interest as a teenager and, uh, growing up in Oklahoma City, uh, you know, my, my junior year, my, my second half of junior year and first half of senior year, um, I was actually, uh, you know, those, uh, every once in a while, you know, the news station has, you know, kids, kids reporters, you know, kids anchors and things like that. And I was a kids anchor for, uh, for the ABC affiliate in Oklahoma city. So I was actually already kind of interested in going in that direction as a backup at that point. But at some point at Stanford, that, that backup kind of, kind of superseded the original plan. And uh, it's, it's turned out overall pretty well, I think. But still, how did you get in touch with the radio station to get that first chance to, you know, actually get on the air? How did that come about? Pretty much day one, you know, they hold these they hold these uh, student activity fairs, you know, pretty much close to the uh, beginning of the school year. Everyone sets up in, in, in White Plaza, which is the center of the Stanford campus. And, you know, you got the tables, you walk over, you know, hey, KZSU, you know, let me go, let me go check this out. Okay, great. We've got your uh, orientation meeting coming up, you know, next week. All right, fine. So, you know, you, you check out the orientation meeting. And then the sports department at KZSU, um, it kind of was its own separate thing and kind of ran its own separate entity of sorts. Uh, cause it was actually a pretty decently big operation and they all, they, they broadcasted, you know, at that time, 
Um, you know, obviously football, uh, both men's and women's basketball, women's volleyball, um, and baseball as well. So that's obviously a lot of programming and they traveled, you know, to every game, uh, for, for all of those respective sports. So it was a pretty involved operation. So, uh, you know, it just, just being in that orientation meeting and, and, and just kind of, you know, learning from, you know, just, just kind of starting from scratch in, in some senses. And, you know, I, I got assigned to be the uh, Stanford football reporter my freshman year. So that fall, you know, my introduction to Stanford football was going to Bill Walsh's weekly press conferences <laughs> and covering those and, and grabbing actualities and, you know, writing stories and, and throwing in sound bites, you know, whenever I could. That was Bill Walsh's uh, second year of his second term at Stanford at that time. So that was that was kind of my introduction uh, to the whole thing. And, you know, just like most other spots, you know, on, on the collegiate level, you work your way up. You know, you have to do your time. You know, you have to put in your your, your board op work, you know, engineering games and all those sorts of things. And and then eventually you start to get a game or two. And then, you know, as, 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 as you know, the priority goes obviously towards towards the seniors and towards the older the, the older folks, the folks who have been there the longest. Um, you know, then you become, you know, the lead voice along the way. And, you know, I, I was I was lucky. I stuck with it. I actually still liked it. And I actually loved it. You know, going on the road as a college kid. You kidding me? Going to Madison, Wisconsin, you know, Stanford versus the Badgers at Camp Randall. That's big time stuff, man. And my friends are, you know, going to, you know, women's final fours, you know, all across the country covering Stanford women's hoops and and, and doing all sorts of all, all sorts of terrific things there. So, you know, that that's where it kind of started. And, and, and by the end of it all, you know, Liberty Bowl, Sun Bowl, College World Series. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of lucky, you know, it, it's 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 amazing that, you know, when people talk about the broadcasting schools all around the country, you know, Syracuse obviously gets brought up because it seems like everyone went to Syracuse. You know, Arizona State gets a little bit of love here and there for them, maybe gets a little bit of love as well. You know, Morningside College, of course, everybody knows about. Of course, oh. number one. But, you know, <laughs> hey, I would put Stanford right up there, especially among play-by-play guys. You know, you look at just baseball and, and who's in the big leagues right now. You know, Dave Fleming was was a year behind me uh, at, at Stanford. We were sports directors together uh, my senior year. Of course, his career has gone off the hook and off the charts with the Giants and with with, with the SPN. Uh, my man Chris Atterbury in your neck of the woods, uh, pre- and post-host uh, for the Minnesota Twins, uh, Dave Raymond from the uh, Texas Rangers. He's doing TV for there. Uh, you know, Will Fleming, uh, Dave's brother, doing uh, radio for the Red Sox. And uh, Scott Reese, who up until uh, the, the week that we're speaking here, you know, was the voice of Stanford uh, football and men's basketball. But, you know, he was in the mix, too. And all of those guys were in my era. So, you know, kind of being a part of that kind of helped sharpen things, I think, a little bit uh as well. So it was just a confluence of, of a lot of things, I think, that went into it all. So, like, when you're applying for jobs, I find it interesting because Stanford is such a prestigious school, and you just said there's a great tradition of people succeeding in broadcasting from there, but I had no idea that that was the case before this. Are people surprised that they find someone applying for a broadcasting job with a Stanford degree. Do you ever run into that? <laughs> in, in some senses, yeah, sure. Every, every once in a while, there'll be some little quip or some little some little crack or, or, or something like that. But 
But but that being said, uh, I, I, I think it's you know normally said just you know what what do you what you want to be in radio? Why? What what are you doing here? And, and you know I I you know I, I kind of joke uh, you know some members of my family would be like wait why do you want to do that? You should be a doctor because I, I I need you to look at this thing growing on my hand here. You know things like that. <laughs> um, it, you know it's it's it does kind of crop up a little bit, but mostly in jest. But I I think that the important thing to remember is that. Stanford kids have, how can I put this? Uh, it, 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 it's a different world, you know, when you're inside the eucalyptus curtain. But there are so many other kids from all different parts of the world. It's an international university. So you learn a lot about, you know, other people, other cultures, other parts of the country. You know, the the, the curriculum that they, that they have you undergo, you know, has you you know, actually consider different viewpoints uh, on things and, and, and be, be read up on different things all around the world. So the, those th- sorts of things can, can certainly help you in relating with people, with doing your homework and, and your research, uh, and, and all those other sorts of things that, that, that go into this job that, that maybe you don't necessarily think of right off the top of your head, uh, that maybe help prepare you for it. But, you know, you look back on it a little bit and you go, okay. Yeah, that 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 did kind of that did kind of prepare me a little bit for 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 being in this. Enough about college. As much as I find uh, these choices fascinating, after college is kind of really what I want to start getting into. And let's spend uh, maybe five to ten minutes on this. But starting off out of Stanford, it looked like your initial break was that you got on uh, both with Stanford as kind of the pre-post-game host for a lot of things and at the radio station KNBR there as a producer and host. Uh, yep. What led to those, and what was the process of landing that job right after graduation? Summer after my graduation, there was a new all-sports radio station forming. And at the time, it was called the Ticket 1050. Now it's called KNBR 1050. And that new station was going to become – uh, the flagship for the Oakland Raiders. And based on what I knew of Stanford's radio situation at that time with their football, men's basketball broadcasts, I knew that they were going to become, that the Ticket 1050, as it was known at that time, was going to become Stanford's new radio home at some point. And, and lo and behold, it was. The first year was just men's basketball. It was a pretty good year for it, as that was the year that Stanford went to the Final Four. And, uh, you know, they, they replayed that game against Kentucky a couple months ago, and I you know, just how close that game actually came. It still kind of gives me nightmares a little bit. But then football latched on uh, the year after that. So, so based on that, and just kind of reading the tea leaves and kind of seeing what was happening around, uh, you know, the, the 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 local sports radio industry at the time, I, I knew that Stanford was going to be there, and I knew that that's what I wanted to be a part of, given my background. Um, and it went with, you know, already covering, you know, Stanford, uh, as an undergrad. So, you know, how do you get there? Persistence, you know, started knocking on doors, you know, sending resumes, you know, phone calls, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful we're coming up on, on the 25th anniversary of this, but, you know, Darren Chan, who was the executive producer of the ticket 1050, um, at that time. Oh man, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm pretty sure when he looked at his phone ringing and saw me on the call, right? He was like, dude, what does this kid want? I don't have anything for him right now. But after about six weeks or so of that, finally something popped. Weekend producer. I was like, cool. I'm with it. Let's go. 
So from there, being a part of that, taking a part, you know, taking a part of, of, of producing the, the daily talk shows, um, as well and, and, and helping put on, you know, cut and tape, you know, for Raiders broadcasts, um, you know, at, at that time, um, you know, just, just kind of was, was the start. And from there, you know, as Stanford, you know, became a bit more established, you know, with men's basketball that year, I produced those that first year and was hosting them, uh, by the end of the decade, by the, by, by, by 2000 and, uh, was also hosting, uh, pre and post game shows on the football side, um, as, as well. So, you know, certainly a lot of fun, uh, fun, fun times, you know, Rose Bowl, Final Four during that specific era. Um, and, and just, you know, at the ticket 1050, just learning that, Sports radio is fun. <laughs> you can have fun in this. It's not just life and death. It's not just analytics and numbers. It's not just, just betting lines and all that. You can have fun and you can sound different while doing it too. And, you know, the ticket 1050 and alternative to KMBR 680, of course, KMBR, the blowtorch, the, the standard for, for sports talk in the Bay Area. And it still is, but you know, I'm proud of how different that we sounded during that time and it just kind of it just kind of started from there a lot of those seeds i guess kind of kind of planted of just how fun this business can be and just how important it can be to also you know be unique and 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 sound like like nothing else that's out there i think that's a really good point that i think a lot of us forget in the process of being ambitious and trying to climb that ladder is to just enjoy where you are. And I think that's a really good point. Was there ever a time where it was difficult to have that perspective or are you just naturally very positive and you're always kind of present and in the moment instead of worrying all the time about uh, why am I not a top 20 for this job or why am I not getting a call back? Yes. Uh, no, the, the short answer to both of those questions is, is yes. But you know what? That, that's part of the that's part of the the roller coaster of, of being in this business. I mean, look, I'm, I, as mentioned, I'm you know August 26th will be my 25th anniversary of getting hired at the Ticket 1050, and, and it's been uh, it, it, I've been on this roller coaster ever since then. And yeah, sure, there have been moments you know where it's like. Man, I, I just wish that I was in a spot where I had a bit more upward mobility, where if I just got a chance to show what I can truly, truly do, you know, just, just, just give me the opportunity and, and, and let's go from there. Uh, and there are also moments where like, you know what? Hey, everything's going to work out. Everything's going to fall into place and, and, and everything is going to, to turn out to be okay. And I think you have to, you know, at least have that in your mind somewhere. Instead of just consistently worrying about, you know, oh my God, why is that person getting a job that, and, and, and all these, all these other, all these other sort of things that, that, that just kind of just don't really jibe with, with your mental health, quite honestly, and, 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 and just your outlook, your overall outlook. Um, on things as well. And, you know, it can be tough. I mean, look, I mean, I've been fired, you know, I've been laid off, you know, I've, 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 I've been through the ringer, just about everything you could possibly think of. But at no point was I ever like, man, I need to get out the game. That's it. I'm done. At no point was, was I, have I, had I ever, you know, reached that point, um, you know, after, after 25 years of, of, of being in this business and, and I'm lucky. Uh, that, it, that it hasn't come to that. And I, and I hope, I hope that it never will. 
you know, it's, it's just part of, just part of the business. It's just part of, you know, realizing that it's not a straight climb upwards. It's not an easy road. Uh, is it perhaps a little bit smoother if you're related to someone <laughs> or if you played the game or if you were you're related to someone who played the game or if you went to Syracuse? Maybe, but even then, you've got to realize that it's it's still not necessarily 100% smooth for everyone in this business. And, oh, by the way, even then, you better bring it, right? A lot of competition for these gigs, left and right. If you don't bring it, you're out, no matter what your last name might be. So, you know, just, just, just realizing that and realizing those things and knowing that, hey, it's not always going to be you know, sunshine and lollipops and unicorns and rainbows and things like that. But also, you know, believing, hey, I can do this. I can do this. You know, I, I, I believe in myself. And if I truly get the chance, you know, it's on. It's absolutely on. So, yeah, just balancing those two things out is, is pretty important. After being in the Bay Area for, was it how many years after I had it written down, but now I can't find it. But after a certain amount of time, it looks like you moved to Pittsburgh. Uh, what was yeah. behind that? Why? And just walk us through, you know, what happened and what the motivation was behind it. Yeah, I was in the Bay Area for eight years after uh, graduating uh, from Stanford. But in between uh, San Francisco and Pittsburgh, spent four years at the ESPN radio network in Bristol, Connecticut. And I always tell people that's where I got my master's in sports radio. And it was certainly an eye opener to learn how the craft of sports radio is, is, is truly constructed where it's host and producer. And neither of them are walking in just five minutes before airtime and saying, okay, hey, what we got, you know, just turning on a mic and going, no, there is an actual legitimate plan for every segment, for every hour, every topic, and all of those sorts of things. And oh, by the way, if news breaks, you better know how to break away from that plan. So just learning how to do a lot of those things and to do it with pretty high-profile talent, uh, you know, working with Mel Kuyper Jr., producing his radio show, uh, the late, great John Clayton. Boy, what a treat it was to produce The Huddle on ESPN Radio and, and to work on that show with him uh, and I boy that 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 news hit me hard when 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 he passed um this past spring but working with him and a lot of other folks that that you see at ESPN and you go oh my gosh these are actual real life people <laughs> you know <laughs> Bristol's an actual real life place but one of my bosses while I was at ESPN left to launch the all sports radio station that CBS radio, because at the time they owned radio stations was launching in Pittsburgh, 93, seven, the fan Katie KFN. And I went with him to be his executive producer. So I hired, you know, 12 board ops and producers, uh, produced our morning show, you know, helped, you know, guide the content, you know, manage budgets, you know, did a lot of behind the scenes stuff, but I also was able to, to host my own weekly show, um, as well. And, you know, Pittsburgh, it's a, if, if you're working in sports, there are few better places to be in the country because sports matters in that city, right? I mean, the Steelers lose in that town. There is a palpable pall over that city <laughs> and it doesn't lift until like Wednesday. It's nuts. And here I am coming from, you know, from, from the West Coast, 
you know, where it's like if the local team loses, oh, okay, all right, that's cool. Hey, want to head down the street, grab some burritos? You know, it's fine. They'll, they'll, they'll play again. No, it doesn't work like that um, in Pittsburgh. And, oh, by the way, having to talk hockey, I had never done that before either. But it, it also reinforced to me just how local sports radio and sports talk radio truly is because these folks passionate about the Steelers, passionate about the Penguins, passionate about the Pirates. And I was actually there when the Pirates were good and going to wild card games. Man, that city, when it was the pennant chase, you know the scene from Major League, you know, when the Indians are putting it together and they got the, you know, the, the music in the background and Willie Mays Hayes is putting all the gloves <laughs> and stuff on his wall and 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 and, and wild things recording save after save. And, and everyone's high-fiving each other walking down the street. Pittsburgh was actually like that. It was insane. It was nuts. And it was beautiful to be a part of. And being in that city throughout those four years I was there just really helped reinforce how, at its base level, how local sports radio truly is. And it, it was a it was certainly a great lesson to learn. And, and I, I look back on my experience in Pittsburgh extremely, extremely fondly. I didn't appreciate the 27 inches of snow that fell on the place uh, the weekend that I moved into my spot. I, I didn't appreciate that. Once they turned the snowmaker off, Pittsburgh's awesome. You soft West Coasters. <laughs> <laughs> Let me invite hey, you to Minneapolis in February. <laughs> but hey, That's why I live here. <laughs> I don't blame you at all. Uh, that's I find it unique that I've talked to a couple different people over the years who have kind of worn both the producer and the talent, the on-air talent hat. How important is it in your development on air to be skilled and really know what's going on behind the scenes? How do you find that that helps? Because you understand why things are happening. You understand why you have to hit that post right at a certain time. You understand why things are going on behind the scenes. And, you know, you don't necessarily get mad when that guest doesn't call in you know, at the proper time. You don't you know, necessarily get teed off whenever something doesn't go right because you know a bit more how the sausage actually gets made. And, you know, transitioning over to the TV side, and it's still – it still blows my mind just how much more manpower there is and woman power there is in putting on the broadcasts and, and just, just how much, you know, work that the crews put in and how much the producer, especially of a TV broadcast has a hand in arranging every single thing that you see. And a lot of things that you don't see when you're watching the TV, when you're watching this, when you're watching sports on TV or vice versa, when you're listening to, you know, sports talk radio, or when you're listening to a game um, on the radio as well. So, you know, just kind of, you know, having that mind and just realizing that, you know, Hey, everyone's got a job to do. It's not all about me. It's all about all of us as a crew working together, putting on the best show, that we possibly can and being in the producer's shoes, knowing what happens, how much is happening behind the scenes and realizing how much, you know, is actually going through a producer's mind, you know, during any given point of, of, of a radio show or a broadcast, 
I'm sitting there and maybe something's happening, you know, in my mind when I'm on the mic or when I'm on the headset or, or, or whatever. And I'm going, okay, that's probably what they're going through. I completely understand. I'm just focused on calling the best game I possibly can and, you know, or, and, or hosting the show the best I possibly can. So I, I really think that, you know, when you come to it from a producer standpoint, you know, you understand why you're reading that legal ID. You know, either six minutes before, <laughs> somewhere between six minutes before and six minutes after the top of the hour. Why you're reading all these cards? You understand the why of of what actually goes behind uh, making these broadcasts possible, and it, it's certainly invaluable. So, why did you leave Pittsburgh and go back to the Bay Area? Was it was it just the 27 inches of snow that scared you away, <laughs> or what was what was the process? Hey, if it had scared me away, I wouldn't have stayed in Pittsburgh for four years. I would have called it a wrap right after that one week and said, you know what? <laughs> I'm out of here. No, I was uh, selected to come back to the Bay Area, and I was uh, doing pre and post for the Oakland A's, and it was also a chance to get my first, uh, get a daily uh, talk show, a sports talk show on the radio side there. And up until that point, that had been everything I had been working towards uh, up until that point. I, I knew that, you know, when I left the Bay Area the first time, I knew that I wasn't going to get anywhere where I was at that time. I knew that I had to leave. I knew that I had to learn some things, you know, go back to the lab and then come back to the Bay Area and come back strong. It took me eight years, but I finally got that chance. And it was... uh uh, it was it was great working with the A's. They were fantastic. They were super supportive uh, and encouraging. Uh, and it was you know it, it was it was pretty tough, quite honestly, because I got the <laughs> I got the phone call you know early March you know signed the contract March fifth, March eighteenth. I'm leaving Pittsburgh, driving out to the Bay Area, getting to town March twenty first. First day in the office is March twenty fourth. First day on the air is March twenty seventh. So here I am. You know, coming into this after living four years in Pittsburgh, and I've been an A's fan my entire life, but as you know, it's completely different following a team from three time zones away than it is when you're actually in the clubhouse, talking to guys, interviewing people, completely different. So I was basically shoved into the pool. Took me about maybe six weeks to two months or so, but I think I started to swim. And by the end of the year, I was having a blast. You know, the A's were a wild card team. We won't talk about what happened against Kansas City in that wild card game. And it was fun. And I was finally being a sports talk show host and, 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 and having a lot of fun doing it. Eight months in, my boss, who I had worked with, well, I, I wouldn't say worked with him, but we overlapped. Uh, my first six months at the ESPN radio network, um, who hired me to do this. Eight months later, my boss comes in and says, hey, we're going in a different direction. No reason given. Just thanks for coming. It's been eight months. You're out on the street. Peace. Obviously, that was not cool. And do I still harbor some hard feelings about that? Yeah. Yeah, I sure do. Uh, there's, there's no doubt about that. Uh, I, I think that really sabotaged a lot of things in my career. That being said, when I was there at that radio station, and again, the A's were super supportive. I, I just wish that the, that the radio station, the folks that actually signed my checks had, had actually been more, more supportive. I was thinking of walking into the Pac-12 Network's doors while I was there anyway. That kind of sped up that timetable, those events. And, you know, Ted Robinson, you know, former Twins announcer back in the 80s, uh, longtime uh, NBC guy, tennis, uh, Pac-12 network football play-by-play guy. 
and was a Stanford was the Stanford radio announcer back in the nineties. And I spotted for him for years and got to know each other very, very well. He's a mentor to me. He's a friend to me. He said, okay, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll put in a good word, got the meeting and I walk in there and, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, yeah, it's probably just going to be some introductory thing where, you know, Hey, got your resume, you know, we like you, we'll call you in case something crops up. Uh, Odile Hawkins, who was the director of a talent for the Pac-12 Network at the time, you know, shuts the door to the conference room and she turns around and she goes, Troy, you're exactly what we're looking for. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait, whoa, what? Huh? What? Oh, word? Oh, wow. I got to change my entire, my entire approach to this, this interview then. So if from there, you know, within, you know, two months, I was on the air on the Pac-12 Network calling games. So while my time at that radio station in the Bay Area. And again, loved working with the A's. But overall, that time was nowhere near what I thought it could have been and what should have been for a lot of different reasons. But, you know, from there, you know, you, you, sometimes you have no choice. And that was certainly the case here. You reinvent yourself, you dust yourself off, and you move on and you, can, you keep it going. And I'm certainly glad that the Pac-12 Network came along when it did. The A's... Radio guy Ken Korak has been on this show, one of my favorite announcers in yes. baseball. And yes. I just, what was what was working with Ken like? Because I just uh, I've he's seems like one of the kindest people that uh, that I've ran into in this business. Like he met me for lunch in Minneapolis when they were here once, and I just have nothing but good things to say about him. So if you have bad things, I'm going to edit it out. <laughs> no, no, no bad things here. Can confirm all good, and uh, I'm I'm certainly. Extra appreciative of Ken. Uh, about a month in, maybe about three weeks or so in uh, to the season that I, that I spent with the A's, he just kind of sat me down and you know just kind of gauged where my head was at at the time because you know again you know my head was swimming a little bit, you know trying to figure out the team, trying to make it the best that I possibly could be, you know working on uh, putting together a talk show as well, and oh by the way, so we're trying to pull off a cross country move from hell and planning a wedding all at the same time. So there were all of these things that were happening at the exact same time. And, 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 you know, there, there were a few times early on where there were just things that I quite honestly was missing out on. And Ken just kind of sat me down a little bit and he said, Hey, Troy, you know, hang in there. You know, just, just remember, you know, X, Y, and Z. And we're, we're here. We're here behind you. If you need anything, I am right down the hall. Let me know. And from there, things kind of went, okay. All right. I'm fine. And that was absolutely, I, I cannot thank Ken Korak enough, um, for, for just kind of helping get my mind right a bit and, and just kind of, you know, settling things down for me a bit. And yeah, you know, all, all accounts that you've heard about Ken Korak, and I'm certainly glad that you've had him, had him on this show and all accounts of him being a super great dude are absolutely 110% true. Big Korak, big Ken Korak fan right here. Dealing with, you know, kind of getting fired with not a lot of notice, not a lot of explanation. What was the most difficult part about that? Was there like, did you have things that you suspected that you couldn't confirm off the record? Just kind of what was going on? How did you overcome that adversity? What was the most difficult part and what was the process like? Oh, um, probably the most difficult thing in the interim was calling my wife and going, hey, I'm out of the gig. And her going, what? what are we going to do now? <laughs> Just kind of having that conversation. And, 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 and she's, she's an absolute rock star, 
and, and, and 35%. Um, so that, that was the most difficult thing in the, in the short term of it. And yeah, I mean, even though, you know, there was no reason given still, still no reason that I've heard. Uh, there were some suspicions that I had, uh, that things weren't quite up, uh, quite on the up and up. Um, when I was hired there, it was part of a, of a station makeover game changers, uh, where they, where they had a brand new morning show. They blew out their relatively popular morning show at the time and, and brought in a whole new one, but that only lasted about two months before that started to, to leak oil. Um, and, 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 you know, when one of the, one of the hosts in particular, who was an ex athlete, all of a sudden realized, oh my gosh, radio is actually work. I, I actually have to prepare and stuff. I can't do that. So he pulled the ripcord as quickly as he could. And I also started to suspect some things when a host had been hired in like, like around Labor Day or so, but wasn't given an air shift, had a press release made up and everything, but wasn't given an air shift. And we're like, okay, all right. What's this all about? So. You know, having, you know, that, that host have, you know, as it turned out, like three months of lead time before he even took the air once, you know, as opposed to me, Hey, how soon can you get here? <laughs> you know, and getting shoved in the pool like that. You know, there, there were, and you, you run into the boss of the Raiders game, you know, and he's sitting with the new host and barely acknowledging you. That's, that's, yeah, that, that, that's kind of a sign that maybe things aren't quite on the up and up. Um, you know, won't take meetings. You know, and, and things like that. So, yeah, there, there were some things that went on, went on with it. Was it still a surprise? Was it still a, was it, was it still a shock? Yeah, you bet it was. But rebounding from that and after, you know, just kind of, you know, the smoke clearing a little bit and after going, well, you know, hey, you know, I, I got to do something. Knowing that it was a chance that I could truly reinvent myself because play by play was what I had always really, truly wanted to do. Goes back to the days, you know, at the old Apple IIc, you know, listening to hearing Bill King in the background and hearing those guys. Play-by-play was what I always, always really wanted to do. And even though I'd been in sports talk radio for, for 17 years at that time, it was also, it was, it was all still being used as a vehicle to get, to get into play-by-play. So I was like, you know what? Let's just go for it. What's holding you back? Go for it. Go all out. Do what you need to do. And fortunately, you know, as you know, so much of this business is right place, right time. And dominoes fall on, you know, when they need to fall, where they need to fall. And so I certainly, you know, was was, was very fortunate um, in that respect. But, you know, may, maybe in some ways, you know, it was it was the urgency of the situation. Hey, man, you can't mope around about this. <laughs> you know, you, 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 get, you got to, you know, make your contribution to the rent. <laughs> you know, you can't just be laying around on the couch the whole time. You need to do something. So, so you know, obviously not an ideal situation. But when you go through things like that, it doesn't necessarily mean if 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 you still have the passion for it, and if you still have the hunger, and if you still think you have a path forward in the business, take it, take it. You can still do it. I'm still here. They, they, they keep trying to run. They tried to run me out of the business on a couple of occasions. I'm still here. <laughs> there, uh, it's shocking after doing so many of these episodes, how many people getting fired felt like the end of the world, but ultimately it just opened them up for something better. 
in many times very shortly afterwards. And that's just another perfect example of that. Well, and, and, well granted, I would not have preferred that. Yeah. <laughs> I would not have preferred to have, to have had that happen to me. But when it does, try to make the best of it and just keep, just keep it moving and keep going forward from there. Segwaying away from that, and I guess uh, there's a lot of uh, stuff in the news about race and media and how few African-American broadcasters there are. And if we haven't mm-hmm. talked about that, but you are an African-American broadcaster. I think there's a lot of things that I'd like to talk about, but let's just sure. kind of start off uh, with a nice wide brushed question. What are what are the challenges you have personally run into of being an African-American broadcaster in the business? Not looking the part to some folks. And folks automatically assuming that I'm not there to do play-by-play. And this has actually happened to me on a couple of occasions where, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in, you know, I'm in our booth, but, you know, still accessible, to, you know, to, to, to the stands. I'm in our broadcast booth before the game, you know, and I've got, you know, Pac-12 network gear or, or whatever gear on and I'm on the headset and I'm talking back to the studio and maybe going over some things and I'll take the headset off and, and someone will ask me, Hey, when does the play-by-play guy get here? R- really? I, I can't be the play-by-play guy. That's what I'm thinking, but you know, I'll just, you know, I'll just smile at him and go, you're looking at him. Oh, 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 okay. So just the perception that you know, because you don't look the part to some folks that you can't do this job. So, so maybe, you know, that's, that, that's been one of the, the larger, you know, more, more immediate challenges. Um, it, it's a little, it's a little tough for me to answer that in some respect, because when people ask me, you know, why aren't there more, you know, black play by play announcers, you know, and I'm like, well, in all honesty, you shouldn't be asking me. Ask the decision makers. Ask the folks who are actually charged with hiring why there aren't more black play-by-play announcers. Because all I can give you is theories, right? They can give you actual answers and, and facts as, 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 to why, as to why that is. So certainly their answers to that would be a lot more valuable. So in, in some ways, it's a little tough for me to answer what the, what the specific challenges are because, you know, I need to get in the head of the decision makers and I, I'm not getting into anyone's head. I have enough trouble, you know, staying in mind sometimes. Um, so, but, but yeah, certainly there are, you know, just, just, just little things, you know, that, that, that kind of, you know, go into it and you go, okay, all right. Okay. Sure. Whatever. All right. Cool. I belong. That's cool. Whatever. It's interesting you say that because I've been thinking about that as a decision maker who hires, I mean, basically entry level play by play people. I have only had in now probably three years of realistically, the first year it was basically just me with occasional fill ins. And the first year of having, you know, a real team of broadcasters, we're probably three years into that. And I have had exactly one African American apply. And we did hire him. He didn't do very much because he was also the PA announcer for the Timberwolves and he didn't have a lot of availability. But I just, I could tell you there's just not a lot of applicants in the pool in the Twin Cities anyway, which, mm-hmm. I mean, major media market, 
relatively diverse for the Midwest, but maybe not compared to uh, the rest of the country. Why do you think that the pool is smaller? Because I don't think a lot of of African-Americans in this business are steered towards that role. When you think about it, and, and a lot of this applies to sports talk radio as well, you know, the overwhelming majority of, uh, of, of, the, of, the, of the black faces that you see in this business are the analysts, right? And on, in sports radio, you know, if, if there is, you know, an African-American, you know, on the air, they are generally not the host. They're a co-host. They're an analyst, but they're not the ones who set the tone for the show, come in from breaks, go out to breaks, set the tone, set the content, and things like that. They're generally not steered, I don't think, necessarily into those roles. So perhaps from that standpoint, if they're not necessarily steered into those roles and you don't necessarily see folks represented in those roles, perhaps it's a bit tougher to think, well, hey, wait a minute. I can do this. I, 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 you know, I don't need to have known how to have played the game in order to put on a headset, you know, and, and, and call games. You know, I, I, I don't need to look, I played high school. I, I played soccer for 13 years as a kid. I was nowhere near good enough to get a D one scholarship or anything like that. So I, so I don't consider myself having, you know, played the game or, 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 or anything like that, but uh, it, you, you don't, you don't need to, but I don't, I don't think that a lot, of folks were steered in that direction. So I, I think that potentially is, is, is one thing to look at. How do you change that? More representation. You know, when, when, when you see, when you see an Everett fits you uh, up with the, the Seattle Kraken, you know, be the primary radio play by play voice uh, for them. Um, and especially in, in a sport that, you know, has, has made strides, but you know, you still don't necessarily think of it. As, as a very diverse sport necessarily. Uh, Dave Sims also based up uh, in Seattle, a longtime guy. You know, you, you know his work with Westwood One uh, from back in the day and a legitimate good guy as well. Uh, Mark Jones on ESPN, of course, Gus Johnson. Um, it, it, the, I think the more that folks see that this can be done by folks who don't necessarily, again, look the part, That'll perhaps maybe steer more folks and, and put on a light bulb and say, you know, okay, all right, I, I, I can do this too. So I had a conversation with another one of my, I'm not going to drop his name, but he's another African American sportscaster. I'll tell you who it is after the show. But he said when we were talking and we were just talking about uh, something similar to this, and I'd be like, oh, you know, there's, you know, a lot of good ones. There's, I shouldn't say a lot, but there's a couple very good ones. Mike Tarico was the guy I brought up and he said, you know what? Like he's phenomenal, but he was a more of a fan of people like Mark Jones and Gus Johnson because they, for his exact quote was sounded black where like if you listen to Mike Tarico and it's, it was a point that I had never thought of. I mean, if you don't know what he looks like, you would never guess because it's just perfect diction, kind of sure. non-regional. How is it important to get more of the the cultural personality, cultural flair into it, or is that not something? Because I've just I've had that kicking around in my head, and I don't really know what to make of it. 
Sure. Well, I, I think above all else, you know, just be you, right? You know, if that's not you, you know, then then don't <laughs> you know, don't try to be something that you're not on the air because you get found out very very quickly, no matter what level you are on. Um, I, I don't think it's it's necessary. How can I put this? I, I don't do, do I necessarily go into things, you know, trying to sound a certain way. So, you know, people, you know, oh, wait a minute. He's a minority. Oh, he's black. No, no, I don't. I, I, I don't go into any show. And I, you know, even when I, in, in my sports radio days, uh, I, I don't go into into anything um, with, with that kind of with that kind of mindset. Um, just just be you. Just be you. That's, you know, that, that, that's really the best thing that, 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 that you can do. I mean, if, if that is you, if that is, you know, how you legitimately, you know, talk and all those sorts of things, you know, Hey, great. Run with it. You know, sound distinct. I am never mad at a play by play announcer whom I can listen to and go, wow, this sounds distinct. I've never heard anything like this before because let's be quite honest. Many times, a lot of these announcers sound very interchangeable from each other because a lot of them have the same background or many of them have seem to have the same background. So I don't, I don't necessarily mind it when someone sounds distinctly different as long as it's uniquely them. Okay. Out of the heavy stuff and back to the fun stuff. <laughs> Look, doing a little research about what you did, what you've done in your career, it looked like you covered at some level. I couldn't figure exactly what the Little League World Series, and that is just such a unique event. And yeah. I just, what was that experience like? Yeah, the uh, Little League World Series events, uh, tournaments. They have they have tournaments all around the country. Um, and a, a few years ago, uh, a former coworker of mine at ESPN Radio, who had actually moved over to the talent department, had uh, you know he emailed me and said, "Hey Troy, would you be interested in doing the uh, Little League Softball World Series up in Portland, Oregon?" I was like, "Yeah, sure, no problem." You know, when is it? And he gave me some dates that turned out to be, uh, for the most part, right during uh, our, our family vacation at Nags Head. And I was like. Okay, yeah, I can still head out to Nags Head for a couple of days if y'all can fly me out to Portland from there. No problem. But, you know, doing the Little League Softball World Series that year and again the following year when it was in Portland, it's since moved uh, to Greenville, North Carolina. And even though I miss it being in Portland, it's, it's kind of cool to see, you know, just what an event um, that that venue has helped make it uh, certainly you know, last year and, and this year as well. So that's currently that's, that, that's, that's, that's pretty neat to see. But, you know, also work in the Little League Intermediate World Series, which is in Livermore, California, 25 miles from my front door. I didn't even know it existed until they emailed me about it and asked me if I wanted to work it. And, and this year doing the Junior League Softball uh, World Series up in uh, Kirkland, Washington, on the other side of the lake uh, from Seattle. And it just brings you back to basics of what it's like when you're following a sport in which you're legitimately we're, you know, the, the goal is to have fun legitimately, right? I mean, yeah, winning's great. I mean, sure, you want to be the ones, you know, hoisting the trophy at the very end of it all, you know, going back home, you know, with, with the big uh, championship banner and all that sort of neat stuff. That That's pretty cool, too. But legitimately, all of those players on all of those teams, no matter what the score is, they're having fun. 
it brings you back to the joy of it all. And there are times where you don't see a lot of joy in sports with, you know, the student athletes in college, especially college football. I mean, it's, well, college football is fun. It's amazing. Uh, from a spectator standpoint, uh, is it fun from a student athlete standpoint? Uh, who knows? Softball is brilliantly fun. They're allowed to express themselves and play with, with a lot of joy in that one. And certainly on the professional side, there might not be a whole lot of, a whole lot of joy expressed necessarily, a whole lot of fun expressed necessarily, um, on that side as well. Not so in the Little League World Series tournaments. It's, it's an absolute blast and it's, it's really cool to be a part of these respective communities that just kind of roll out the red carpet for these kids. You know, this is, a, this is a big moment, man. You know, especially the international kids who are coming from the Czech Republic, from Italy, the Philippines, uh, Puerto Rico, Curacao, Mexico, all these places all around the world. These are big moments for these kids and they make sure that they have as much fun as possible on and off the field. And if the kids are having fun, what am I doing in the broadcast booth? If I'm not conveying that fun and that energy and that passion for the game, what am I doing if I'm, if I'm criticizing the kid for throwing the wrong pitch, you know, at the wrong time or making a base running error? What am I doing with that? You know, it, it just doesn't mesh. So, you know, there's a time and a place for those kinds of calls. Certainly on the, on the professional level, you want to criticize someone, fair game, go for it, do it. Little league level, look, it's all about learning moments, right? It's all about, you know, building these kids and making sure that they're, that they're good human beings as well as good players too. But above all, it's all about fun and, and being back in the mix, uh, for, uh, the, for the Little League World Series, uh, events this year, the Junior League World Series, uh, Softball World Series, um, this year, just kind of, it's kind of a nice reinforcement uh, of all those things. How do you set those? I mean, I have certainly my own thoughts on this, but how do you set your level of willingness to be critical or critique an athlete on the air by level? Like how, at what point is it totally fair game? At what point are you maybe sugarcoating things and uh, tiptoeing around them because they're, you know, high school or a small college or uh, I, I find that concept interesting. What's your thought? Well, context plays, context plays a big role in this too. Right. You know, I mean, you can still you can still point out an error without criticizing necessarily or being critical of of a kid or, or an athlete. You know, oh, wow. You know, next time, you know, maybe uh, make sure to hit the hit the cutoff, man. You know, just make it into a teaching point or something like that going forward without saying, what in the hell was that kid thinking? You know, there, there, there's context and there's and there's tone and there are different ways um, to convey, uh, to convey things. Now you take different tones with little league events, as, as you've alluded to, and as, as I've mentioned, you take different tones than certainly you would on the pro level. My God, you know, what was he thinking? Trying to take, you know, trying to take home when he's, you know, got, you know, uh, you know, that dude in right field who can throw a canyon and throw it from Jupiter and get dudes out. What was he thinking? It depends on. The context, it depends on the tone. It depends on the level. Um, you know, certainly, you know, once you get into college, you can kind of start to, you know, kind of loosen, loosen things up, um, a, a, a little bit. Uh, but it's not, 
it's not something that I necessarily look to do, right? I'm not on the air to criticize people. You know, I'm not in sports talk radio anymore, right? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, I'm just here. I'm, I'm not there to call a game, to tell stories, to set up my analyst, and to have as much fun as I possibly can doing it. Now, when certain situations warrant it, why did that coach call that time out there? That, that's bonkers. You know, I, I will certainly bring it up, but it's never something that, that for me personally, that I'm going to, you know, be looking to do whenever I'm going on the air. But again, context and tone, critical, I think, in those uh, considerations. And you have also covered a wide variety of different, maybe less than mainstream sports. I saw on your resume, uh, gymnastics, field hockey, rugby, uh, a lot of stuff that I'm willing to bet you did not play. <laughs> and Correct. We, we've talked about this uh, with a lot of different broadcasters, and I've talked about it personally, but I always find it interesting, your specific story of how you at least learned the basics enough to be able to do a new sport. I most certainly did. I most certainly had never done gymnastics and still haven't. I just do not have the coordination. You know, you watch a gymnastics meet, right? And you watch these young ladies doing, doing all these incredible things with just, just the simple, with, with just the, the, the ease and the style and the grace and the courage and all those sorts of things. And here I am tripping, getting out on, on my way, getting out of my car. You know, I can't <laughs> keep my own two feet, you know, walking into the arena. And it, it's happened, you know, before, you know, I'll, I'll use one specific example. I'll get the email. Hey, Troy, uh, what are you doing next week? What do you know about lacrosse? Um, well, I'm city in Wisconsin. Uh, <laughs> yeah, city in Wisconsin gets really cold there. Uh, it, it's on the border, right? Or at least on one of the rivers right there uh, in between Wisconsin and Minnesota, right? If yes. I remember correct. Okay. All right. See, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of up to speed on upper Midwest things a little bit anyway. <laughs> Don't know a lot of things about lacrosse. Translate, I don't really know anything about lacrosse. But yeah, I'm available next week. Let's do it. So had 10 days to prepare for this broadcast. Thank goodness I had an analyst with me for that one because otherwise that would have been a little bit uh, a little bit tricky. But okay, you know, first thing you do is you check out the rule book, you know, try to get, you know, learn the lingo, learn how, learn the language of the sport that you're trying to call. And obviously start to watch some games. So, okay, all right, I'm, I'm checking out some some men's college lacrosse games. Okay, all right, I think I'm starting to, you know, put some things together here a little bit. Let me check out a women's lacrosse game because that's what I was calling. <laughs> and it's completely <laughs> different. I had to basically scrap so much of yep. what I thought I had learned about lacrosse and basically start over just a couple of days in. But I did the same know, thing. Yeah, it's it's completely, completely different. Um, but you know, just just diving in to the rule book, learning the basics, learning how the game ends. That's critical, right? What sort of different scenarios come up on can this game can the game actually be decided upon? That's that's important. You know, you can't just be sitting around there, you know, oh wait, it's over. Oh, okay. All right. Cool. Uh, thanks for joining us. Good. No, no, it can't be like that at all. How does the game end? You have to know that as well. You know, know some of the, know some of the great players, you know, in recent history, you know, in, in the sport, um, you know, and, and, and know, you know, just, just basically a bit of the lingo, um, as well. And actually, if you can watch as much of things as you possibly can, 
They put rugby on my plate. The Pac-12 Network did uh, back in March. Eh, cool about rugby. Are you kidding me? But here again, you know, you go through the process, go through the rule book as much as you can, get the basics down, learn the lingo. And the beauty of calling sports like this is that you can also lean on the experts, lean on the coaches. They're happy you're in the building, right? They're happy you are there. They want you to be able to talk about this sport intelligently. So being able to lean on the coaches and, and not being afraid to ask stupid questions, thank God for the patience of Cal head coach Jack Clark and St. Mary's <laughs> head coach uh, for, for rugby when I did that game um, back in March. And, and, and thank even bigger goodness that I had an analyst there uh, with me on that one. But, you know, lean on your experts. Lean on the folks who have actually been immersed in the sport at some point in their lives and just try to retain you know, what's important, those important things. And at the same time, just still have fun. Learn that you're, that you're going to see something new. You're, you're probably not going to knock it all out of the park. You're not going to come in as a complete 110% expert, uh, your first broadcast, but you certainly learned a heck of a lot, you know, coming into it than you probably knew 10 days ago. So, you know, just, just going through that process as I've had to go through time <laughs> and time again, that, that's, that's been a lot of fun. A little bit nerve wracking at times, but also a bit fun. And you mentioned before we started, and I definitely want to give you a chance to talk about it, you're getting a big-time kind of national radio opportunity with uh, Compass Media to do some games coming up this fall. Uh, how did that come about? Uh, what is it? And uh, how excited are you for it? Yeah, I, I can't wait, man. I'm fired up to be calling national radio college football uh, for, for Compass uh, Media Networks. Uh, it's been a long time coming. I've been, been knocking on that door uh, for a long, long time. And it's, it, it, it's interesting. You, you know, you, you keep in touch with folks over the years. You know, you keep them apprised on what you're doing. And I mentioned um, doing rugby back in March. And that was actually the 10th different sport that I called, uh, that I've called for the Pac-12 network uh, since I joined them in the spring of 2015. So, you know, I just kind of keeping in touch with folks and go, you know, hey, you know, I just did, I just did my 10th different sport confirmed with Pac-12 PR. No other announcer on the Pac-12 network has called as many different sports, you know, since the, since the network took the air, you know, 10 years ago. And it was interesting because that somehow garnered a bit more of a response from folks. And Compass came back at me and said, Hey, um, can we talk with the, like next week or so? Okay. Yeah, sure. So, you know, as it turned out, you know, they, they had a, they had a couple of things that, uh, that they, that they might have, have cropping up. And next thing you know, lo and behold, you know, prepare for, you know, Wisconsin, Iowa in November and LSU, Texas A&M. Uh, also in November, and who knows what else uh, throughout the course of the college and perhaps the NFL season as well. So, you know, it, persistence, that had been a door that I've been knocking on for a long, long time, and it finally worked out. But, you know, it, it, it just it, it just all worked out, and I, 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 I am so, so looking forward to it. I've never been to an SEC football game before, right? I, I, I understand that, that football is a little bit important. In, in, in College Station, Texas, you know, I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to being part of that atmosphere. What about doing play by play or broadcasting in general? What are the specific aspects that bring you joy and that you, that make it an enjoyable career process for you? So much of it 
so much of, of, of it, you know, really, you know, stimulates, you know, parts of my brain, you know, even, even to this very day, um, that, that other, you know, things on, on this planet just, just don't, just don't stimulate. I mean, I love, love telling the stories. I love the grind, the prep, you know, talking to coaches, you know, uh, getting, you know, stories on, on the, on the players, stories on the student athletes that maybe kind of humanize them a little bit in some ways, because, you know, look, you know, these, these folks aren't just, you know, on the professional level, they're not just vehicles for you to win your fantasy football league. Right. You know, uh, and on on the collegiate level, they're not just, they're not just folks for you to, you know, to, to, to you to, to you, for you to yell and scream at, you know, on Saturdays, you know, whatever. These are actually human beings. And And I like kind of humanizing it a little bit and, and kind of bringing those stories um, out there to life because there are certainly a lot of them out there, no matter, no matter the sport um, and, and no matter the level. Uh, and, you know, it, it's, it's a job where I'm allowed to have fun, right? Not every job is like that. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm sure you feel this way too. You know, there are some gigs out there, you know, that, that are just like, you know, Oh my, yeah, you know, I mean, people, people that you know that are in those certain jobs, you know, looking at the spreadsheet, you know, for 14 hours a day, six days a week, not getting any sunshine at all, you know, physical backbreaking work, stuff that just, that just grinds you down over time and just makes you a shell of yourself, you know, by, by well before, well before you should be. There are so many different jobs where you are not allowed to have fun. This ain't one of them. And, you know, there, there are times when, you know, I'll be, you know, I've, I've got the headset on, you know, call it a game. And especially on the TV side where I'm kind of allowed to let things breathe a lot more and let the pictures tell the story. I'll just kind of look around sometimes and go, man, this is pretty cool. This <laughs> is fun. And, you know, going home after a game and just feeling like, you know, hey, I, I told the stories that I needed to tell. I, I let the action speak for itself, you know, whether it was a good game or not. I called an indoor football game back in June. Final score was 83 to 21. Terrible, <laughs> rotten game. No compelling content on the field whatsoever. But we made the best of it, right? You know, I can't control what happens on the field. Uh, we still told the stories that we needed to tell, and we still had fun. And, and those are those are the things that, that, that I still really, really, really enjoy about, about being, uh, being a part of this and doing what I do. What is your favorite broadcast horror story from your career where <laughs> something went uh, terribly wrong in a really more inconvenient or comical way as opposed to something truly horrific? But uh, I feel like everybody has them. What, are, what is yours? Uh, as a play-by-play announcer, what is your number one tool? the scoreboard or what is your number one physical tool pen spotting chart (laughs) your voice okay i'm sitting on my couch living in connecticut Uh, it was a tuesday and i'm taking a nap i'm not feeling 100 percent. i'm not feeling sick i'm just not feeling 100 percent. my phone rings it's the vice president of the san jose sabercats who I'd worked with when I was back in the Bay Area the first time around. And he was like, hey, Troy, uh, what are you doing this weekend? Uh, can we fly you down to Atlanta? We need a color commentator uh, for the game this weekend. 
I'm like, yeah, sure. Let me just clear it with my bosses at ESPN and, and, and we'll, and we'll go from there. Bosses were fine with it. So, you know, Saturday morning flew down to Atlanta Saturday afternoon, you know, got to the, uh, got to the arena started, you know, calling the game, call our commentary, uh, you know, Saturday, that Saturday evening, but started losing my voice in the second half. And by the fourth quarter, voice was gone. Absolutely. This is my debut, right? Voice is gone. Play-by-play man had to go solo for the entire fourth quarter. And by the end of the night, I was in the emergency room with, with uh, bronchitis and pink eye. So <laughs> and that, that was Double a fun whammy. flight back to, yeah, yeah, that, that was a fun flight back to hard for the very next morning. That was, uh, that, that was a okay. Um, but you know, not having a voice, right? I would imagine that has to be the number one horror story for any play by play announcer. And it happened in my very debut. Now, fortunately, uh, the vice president had, had heard, you know, went back and listened to like the first half, you know, before everything went south and went off the rails and said, Hey, Troy, we really like what you said. Uh, can you come back and head out to uh, New Orleans in a couple of weeks? And I ended up, I actually ended up being, you know, the, the Sabercats color commentator, even though I lived in Connecticut at the time and doing games in New Orleans and, and Salt Lake and, and, and doing all those sorts of things. But, but certainly that, that moment was, was, was pretty tough. Glad I was able to come back from it and glad they were like, all right, you, you're, you're still okay. We heard enough. <laughs> Who are your favorite broadcasters to listen to on a day off, both uh, on a national level and maybe somebody locally in your area who's a little under the radar? Yeah, uh, network level, um, you know, Ian Eagle, Kevin Harlan, those guys are obviously at the very top of their game and they're not afraid to be funny. They're not afraid to inject some personality in, in, into calling a game. And I, I, I certainly appreciate that. And you certainly, you know, again, their games sound distinct. You know, you know, that you're listening to Kevin Harlan. You know that you're watching Ian Eagle. And, 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 and it's, it's, it's pretty clear that they have fun doing what they do as well. Uh, Mike Tirico, we mentioned earlier, I, I think he's probably the best all around, uh, sportscaster, uh, on American TV, uh, today. Just, just the ease with which he does everything and, and working with him a little tiny bit um, during, you know, our respective days um, in, in Bristol, just the professionalism um, and just how he makes everything, you know, look easy, <laughs> you know, hitting the post unscripted just every single time you know, and, and doing it, you know, with ease. Um, Jason Benetti is absolutely terrific and it's been really cool to see, you know, him making big moves over the Fox and just with, with, with his story, with what he's gone through to get to this point. Um, that's been really neat to see. Um, locally here, um, in, in the Bay Area, we mentioned Ken Korak, class act 100% every step of the way. Um, huge fan of, of Ted Robinson. Um, and we mentioned him earlier, um, in, in the chat, um, as well. Um, you know, and, you know, here, here in the Bay Area, we certainly don't have our, don't have our shortage of, 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 of guys who are, who are worthy to listen to, uh, no matter the sport. And that's been the case, you know, for decades now, going back to, you know, the Lon Simmons days, you know, uh, the Bill King, as we, as we mentioned earlier, um, and, and, and folks like that. So, you know, there, there, there are certainly a lot of guys who are, who are at the top of their craft and at the peak of their craft that, you know, even though, um, you know, they're, you know, they're, 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 they're still certainly, you know, you flip them through the channels a little bit, you know, and you go, okay, well, you stumble on something. Okay. What's this? Oh, 
oh, he's calling that game? All right, let me let me hang around and, 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 and check this out for a while. If anybody wanted to reach out to you, how would they go about doing so? Best thing, best way to do, probably via the website, troyclarity.com, T-R-O-Y-C-L-A-R-D-Y.com. I have a contact page with a form and a fill out. That is probably the best way to uh, contact uh, me with any thoughts. Uh, you want to dive deeper into this, anything I mentioned, hey, I'm all about it. You know, I always love uh, interacting with um, with, with folks all, all, all around the country. That's part of, you know, what, what makes what makes this fun. And, uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes, you know, you see something on yourself on Twitter and you go, what, what is this person thinking? But you know, it's, you take the good, you take the bad, you take them both. And, and there you have this wonderful, wonderful world, uh, that we live in right now. But yeah, troyclarity.com hit the contact page. And now we're here with Troy Clarity from the present after an hour plus of past Troy Clarity. Uh, we're happy to have Troy come on and give us a little bit of an update because there's been a lot going on in his sports broadcasting world. He's now the radio voice of Stanford football and basketball, and we'll start there. I know talking to you off the air last time, that was kind of your goal, and you've achieved it. Yeah, and uh, and it's it was it was a long time coming. A lot of things that had to lead up to it, and a lot of dominoes that had to fall. Uh, in, in the correct way to get there. But, uh, as an alum, I mean, as someone who's followed, you know, Stanford sports, um, especially football and men's basketball in particular, but also getting to know a lot of the other sports during my work with the Pac 12 network over the last nine years. But, but having especially followed, uh, those programs for gosh, 30 years, man, I'm starting to get really old. I'm starting to really think about the, <laughs> the ramifications of that you know what to, to be able to you know be in an official position to to tell the stories of these teams these incredible student athletes and 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 help to represent uh stanford athletics and stanford university um and to have fun doing it along the way uh and and to also do it in in a role that my gosh i've always wanted to do right you know to be able to have all those things kind of kind of come together in in, in one neat little bow is, is is really truly special and uh it, it means a lot and uh I, I i i hope to hope to be doing this for for a long time to come so what was the series of dominoes that had to fall right for you how did it happen well persistence number one you know just just staying in it maybe it even goes back to you know my undergrad days and then right after that after that graduating and then being involved with stanford uh, broadcast being in the booth, spotting for Ted Robinson and Bob, and Bob Murphy, um, you know, for the next eight years that I was in the Bay Area and continuing to uh, help out in the booth and spot whenever I could, even when I was living back east, four years in Connecticut and four years uh, in Pittsburgh. But I'd still, you know, try to hook up for at least a couple games a year and uh, and still be in the booth. Uh, still being involved with the presentation of the product, despite living back east. Uh, back then, Learfield, when they came along and when they uh, entered the partnership with Stanford Athletics in uh, the 2008 season, even though I was living on the opposite coast, they still had me do the Stanford Daily Updates, those little three-minute, you know, every day, you know, hey, here's what's happening on the farm, you know, and, and, and those kinds of things. I did those for three seasons. So being able to to, to get into the Learfield family at that point uh, maybe kind of helped smooth things a little bit uh, later on and continuing when I returned to the Bay Area, still being in the booth, but also adding on, you know, Pac-12 network duties and also uh, doing uh, the, the TreeCast podcast along the way just to kind of solidify things um, a little bit. And, you know, quite honestly, 
and Logan, as you know, I mean, a, a lot of this is, is being in the right place um, at the right time. And you know, these jobs don't come open very often. The last time they did a serious search for this was 10 years ago. A lot can happen <laughs> in 10 years. Just think of how different all of our lives were uh, back in uh, 2013. So, you know, just, just sticking to it, you know, maintaining relationships, waiting and, and trying to be in the right position if and when that opportunity ever came up on, on a permanent basis. And, and it did. And, and thank goodness uh, the dominoes fell in the, in the correct way during the process. Was it just an open application process where you sent stuff in or was this something where, you know, all these relationships that you built or there was a person who you knew who you were able to get in with and kind of get ahead of the game and get your name at the front of the line for lack of a better word? Well, I, I guess in a sense, yes to both a little bit because they did do the the, the national search. They did uh, they did uh, uh, have uh, applications submitted from all over the country. I'm sure I don't know how many. Uh, that that's not really my concern. My only concern was that they picked the right one, me. So <laughs> that was the only thing that I was really concerned about with uh, from from a numbers uh, standpoint. Uh, but yeah, they they did they did the national search. Uh, but because you know, I I, I knew, you know the head of the search committee and I had a pretty good idea of a couple other people who also might be on the search committee as well. And more importantly, um, they also knew me and I was being encouraged to apply and, and, and those kinds of things, you know, um, I, I, I'd like to think that maybe that kind of, you know, gave me a little bit of a leg up, you know, going, going into the process a little bit because, you know, I, I, I already had those uh, relationships um, already built up now, just because you have those relationships, you know, that, that doesn't mean that you could just coast through the interview process, right? And <laughs> just think that, oh man, I've got this in the bag. I've got it made. No, 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 that, that wasn't the approach uh, that, that I, that I took, uh, that I took at all. You know, it's like, uh, it, it's, it's like when the, the, a team is down by, by a big margin, you know, what's the, what's the cliche? Hey, treat it like it's a nothing, nothing game, right? And, and just try to put up runs, put up points as efficiently as you can and just not try to change, you know, your approach. Um, just because you, you might have a potential advantage going in. So no, I, I mean, even though I, I feel, I felt pretty good about my relationships with the folks who, who I thought would be on the committee and whom turned out to be on the committee as well. Um, no, just, yeah, just, just went, just went for it. Like, uh, like I, uh, like, like the job was not, was, was very much, you know, in, in, in question in, in my mind. So, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just that, just that approach. Are you ready to be the West Coast representative of the ACC? Yeah, it's funny. The the Atlantic uh, Conference the, person on the Pacific. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's 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 it, and it's actually funny. A couple weeks ago, uh, the new voice of Cal football, uh, Cal's also going to the ACC as well. He and I, uh, Justin Allegri, uh, he and I went out to dinner a couple weeks ago, and we called it the uh, ACC uh, uh, announcers West Coast Bureau uh, planning meeting, the first of many. Justin's a really good dude. I'm looking forward to hanging out more with him um, in the years ahead. Uh, and you know, it, it's, it's kind of ironic that all of the, look, geography doesn't matter anymore, right? <laughs> it just doesn't. But it's ironic that the Atlantic Coast Conference is now going to have a member that upon which, you know, you can stand on their campus, certain points of their campus, and you can look out and you can see the Pacific Coast. Like you can at Cal. <laughs> it's absolutely nutty. Uh, just to, just to even think about, but you know, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting and it's going to be neat to kind of learn new things and to learn new schools and to learn, 
uh, different parts of the country. You know, Stanford football sponsored by Bojangles. I don't know if it's going to get, get, get like that or anything <laughs> like that, but, and it was kind of neat, you know, the, the pet, the weekend before that, that you and I are talking, uh, I was doing a uh, Miami, North Carolina national radio for Westwood one in Chapel Hill. So that was kind of neat to get a little, a dual advanced scouting, uh, on tobacco road in some senses. And look, it's going to be strange not being in the Pac-12 and not having the uh, the built-in, uh, baked-in uh, geographical rivalries that 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 we've and matchups that 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 Stanford has, has certainly become used to. It's going to be weird not being able able to head up, you know, to the Pacific Northwest, you know, for conference games. You know, Seattle's obviously an awesome trip. Uh, Pullman's a great trip. Uh, it's 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 a chore to get there, but once you're there, it's actually really cool. And, and obviously the, the, the NorCal, you know, SoCal rivalries between, you know, Stanford and Cal and uh, UCLA and USC. So all those things by the wayside, but you know what? It, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's going to be intriguing. And it's going to be a little fun to, to, to see some new things and to see some different things. Dinosaur barbecue in Syracuse. Here we come. <laughs> You'll finally get to go to Syracuse. You had mentioned right when we talked last time was when you were starting with your national radio uh, position with, uh, at that point, it was the Compass Sports Network. Now you said also getting some stuff with Westwood One. How has that progressed? Uh, it's been terrific. And uh, the last time you and I chatted, I was only on the docket for uh, two college games uh, for, Com- for Compass um, last season, Wisconsin at Iowa and uh, LSU at uh, Texas A&M. Both of those games were very intriguing in, in both very different ways. Iowa winning like only Iowa could. You know? <laughs> and then, uh, Texas A&M uh, beating number five uh, LSU. So those games were, uh, uh, were were a lot of fun. But along the way, and maybe this happened like, I don't know, like maybe a week after you and I uh, might have chatted um, last year. I'm at the gym. I'm on the bike. I get a text from uh, from Compass Media. And they're like, are you free on October 30th? And I'm on the bike and I'm doing the math in my head, October 30th. Wait a minute. That's a Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. I'm available. And I get this text back. You want to call Niners Rams? <laughs> yeah, sure. No problem. I could most certainly do that. So that was the first of, as it turned out, four NFL games that I actually ended up doing, um, that, uh, that uh, last season and, uh, currently in the, the middle of uh, you know, the NFL slate uh, for Compass uh, this year as well. I mean, a couple weeks ago, I did I, I did Cowboys Niners Sunday Night Football. That's a bucket list assignment in this industry, man. I mean, that was and it was it was really 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 cool and really outstanding and really a lot of fun. Uh, Compass Media Networks uh, produces a national Cowboys radio broadcast. Uh, so that's uh, that that's the broadcast I was on. So I'm in the booth, Levi Stadium, forty yard line. There's Danny White, you know, and he and I, you know, and then certainly Danny White is well ingrained in Cowboys 49ers history. You know, he and I are calling Cowboys Niners. Uh, I, I, it, it really honestly does not get much better than that um, on that level. So, you know, working with Compass on the NFL side and uh, getting, you know, the phone call out of the blue over the summer with, from Westwood One to, to work with them and do a couple of college football games um, this season. I mean, that's. That that's as good as it gets too, and you know it, it, it's interesting because I got that call uh, from West with one in July. Things with Stanford weren't set until ten days before the season opener, so I already made the two commitments with West with one. That meant that Stanford's home opener was, or Stanford's our season opener rather, was at Hawaii. The first game West with one wanted me to do was the Black College Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. The game in Hawaii was on Friday. 
the game in Canton, Ohio, was on Sunday. So after the game in Hawaii, the Stanford season opener, I'm hustling to the Honolulu airport, flying back <laughs> Honolulu to SFO to Cleveland on Saturday, and then doing the uh, uh, Black College Football Hall of Fame uh, on Sunday, which was an amazing event and 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 a really great a really great show. I'm glad it turned out the way that it did. And then you know last week, Miami, North Carolina, I already committed to that. Well, Stanford was playing at Colorado the night before, and there was no way I could get out of Denver that night. So, you know, I mean, I'm I'm in I'm in the I'm in the hotel deep in the jungles of the Research Triangle Park, you know, watching Stanford face Colorado. Anything happened in that game? I need to be aware of. I, I might need to. I, I haven't I haven't done my prep for Stanford football. I, I stopped watching at halftime. I just figured Colorado oh, won. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I went to bed at half. No, I didn't go to bed at halftime. But you know, hey, you know, and, and a couple of my friends were like, you know, hey, it must have been a bummer to miss that game. And I was like, well, yeah, sure, I would have loved to have called it, but at the same time, the reason I'm missing calling that game is because. I'm doing probably the second biggest game of college football, you know, on Saturday on national radio. So I can't really be mad at that. So, you know, it's just part of, you know, be uh, juggling all of these things all at the same time. But, you know, at the same time, I asked for it and I'm getting it. And I'm having a blast doing it. Have you had to make any kind of personal changes in the way that you do kind of juggle and balance your time to make sure that, you have both the obviously getting the work life you want, but keep the home life good as yeah, well. Yeah, fortunately, um, not not that much, not really. If you get on top of things as early as you can and just kind of spread things out as much as you can. Look, obviously, you're not going to be able to do all of your prep for a game days in advance because obviously things happen, especially on the NFL side. You know, there are transactions that happen with guys getting elevated from the practice squad up to the active roster. You know, the day before the game, you know, 24 hours beforehand. So you can't do everything, you know, days in advance, but it also, but it still helps to, to kind of get ahead of things, right? And, and to kind of, you know, make sure that you're prep across whatever you need to do. Um, I've got, I've got a soccer game this week as well as Stanford football this Saturday. You know, all, all your prep is, is, is spread out instead of just piled on and you're looking at it and you're going, Oh my God, I've got three to four games this week. How in the world am I going to do this? No. So, yeah, it's just staying on top of things. And I think you and I talked about this uh, last year as well. You know, force my wife, she gets it. You know, she understands there's a lot that, that, that goes into this. But at the same time, you know, it is kind of nice to be able to, to carve out a little bit of time, you know, to hang out together and, and say, Hey, wait a minute. I know you, you know, I remember <laughs> you, you, you live, you live in our house. So, you know, it's, it's just. Yeah, it's it's part of the juggling act, you know, to be sure. And it's probably going to get a bit nutty again. Uh, September was just bonkers. Uh, October's been okay. November's probably going to get nuts again because Stanford men's basketball is going to be uh, starting up. So juggling all those things. The joy of crossover season. Interesting. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's it's just it's just how it goes. It's just how it is um, in, in this business. And, I, and as, as I remember, I think uh, you and I talked about uh, a, a year ago, you know, it's just that that's why it's so important to have people around you who understand what it takes to do things right in this business and that might call you to be away that might call you to be you know knee deep in game notes for days at a time and things like that uh but it is also important to be able to schedule you know that that time a little bit as well and to and to just kind of have some balance while you can in season yeah right now i'm in the middle of uh our last football game of the year prep process 
And the coach has not sent the starters yet, and the game is tomorrow at 1 p.m. So, oh boy. Um, <laughs> that doesn't happen too often, but at least not in football. It does in a lot of other things, but that's it's a, uh, that's okay. You still get it's a different skill. Power five college uh, <laughs> college programs who didn't do game notes for football. I'm not going to say any names, but, <laughs> but you know that's okay. Sorry. All right. Well, once again, thanks for coming on and giving us a little update, and thanks for being very patient with me uh, getting in a place to get this original interview out. I think I told you about three different times, okay, we're finally going to get this out, and then it just never (laughs) happened. So it's going to happen this time, and thank you. No, all good. Thank you. Appreciate you. Appreciate uh, what this show um, has done over the years. It's been a great window into a, a lot of play-by-play announcers um, that that I've admired across the country, and I'm I'm still kind of shocked that you said, "Hey, you know, <laughs> you're one of them." So thank you for that. Appreciate the time. Best of luck. Stay healthy and stay safe. Thanks for listening to the Say the Damn Score podcast. Subscribe to the podcast on the platform of your choice by clicking the big red subscribe button at the top of SayTheDamnScore.com. Also, please follow us on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it now, uh, at Radio underscore Logan. You can also follow our Instagram feed at Say the Damn Score. And you can find me on Facebook if you look really hard under Logan Anderson and sift through all the Logan Andersons. I don't really post much about this podcast, but if you want to add me, feel free. Apple Podcast reviews and other honest feedback is always appreciated and helps me make the show better. And lastly, please reach out to Troy, the guest of today's show, and every guest for that matter. Let them know that you appreciate this appearance on the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Logan Anderson, and the next time you're on the air, make sure to say the damn score just a little bit more.